Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. Excited to have you here again. If you haven't yet, please be sure to follow our podcast and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A quick reminder before we get started, make sure you're signed up for Wrenchway's one-year anniversary event, which is this afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time. We'll be celebrating by reviewing some of the highlights of our first year and give you a sneak peek to the newest tool that we're coming out with called Reverse Job Posts. It's free to attend and we'll be giving away some pretty awesome prizes. I've included a link to register in the show notes, so I hope to see you there. Uh, If you get a chance, please join us for that. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, We have, uh, with the the announcement of Reverse Job Posts, I think is going to be uh, kind of a game changer for a technician. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have you join us on uh, our one-year anniversary uh, virtual event. Next, I want to congratulate Daniel Simeon, who is the winner of our weekly higher or lower game in the Wrenchway mobile app. Daniel had a high score of 28 and won a $100 Amazon gift card. Daniel also got a chance to win our Queen of Hearts pot, but did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, so the pot increases to $1,300. This week's featured topic in the Wrenchway app is, would you rather see corporate recruiting videos such as music, video clips, scripted, uh, just really kind of um, more marketing focused videos or a simple video with technicians talking about what it's like to work in the shop? We'd love to hear what you think on this topic. So log into the Wrenchway app, complete the challenges and play higher or lower, which is sponsored by our friends at Full Bay this week for a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card and a chance at that big $1,300 pot. Now onto this week's episode. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with Jamie Powers. Uh, Jamie is the Fixed Ops Director for Smart Automotive in both Iowa and Illinois. And we really dove into the power of KPIs, how to communicate KPIs, how to, how to really use them as a motivating factor. Uh, he's got a line in the podcast where he talks about a carrot or a stick company. I think it is really, really uh, a great statement and uh, something that I learned uh, a pretty cool uh, uh, slogan or, or um, quote off of. So uh, definitely tune into that. Uh, one thing that we did ask our insiders is, does your shop or service department share financial results with the team? And the, the results, as I, I think expected, were pretty split. 43% said yes, 57% said no. And so I think this is something that's telling and something that Jamie and I will dive into in this podcast, where we talk about the power in in being able to communicate, the power in being able to talk about financial results and, and really how it, it helps feel your it helps your team feel included and uh, and really gives them knowledge as to why they're doing what they're doing. So enjoy the episode and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Excited to have my guest today, Jamie Powers, who's the Fixed Ops Director for Smart Automotive in Iowa and Illinois. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I want to start by asking you about your uh, your background. How did you, uh, first off, what do you do uh, on a day-to-day with uh, Smart Automotive? And uh, then I'll follow that up with how you got there. 
Sure. So as a fixed ops director, I oversee, you know, eight locations and a total of 12 franchises. Um, so <clears throat> just communicating with the service managers, going through the shops, you know, talking with the technicians, making sure everybody's happy and good shape, you know, check on their families and check on their hobbies and just kind of, you know, touch them on a personal level because the, 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 the work that they do, they're going to do with or without me. So, right. uh, and they're way better at it than I'll ever be. So, uh, you know, a couple of reports and just managing from a 30,000 foot view and, and more blocking and tackling. So the service managers who are already great at what they do have, you know, have the space to move around as they need to. Um, I did come <clears throat> from a variable background. So I've been a salesman. I was in finance. I was a general sales manager and the general manager. Uh, and then I became a vendor where I sold software to dealerships and uh, met up with the uh, Girl Elite organization. And you can't, you know, talk to them for five minutes, you fall in love with them. So yeah, super glad to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good company. We've got to work with them on the Wrenchway side, uh, with all of you on the Wrenchway side, and and uh, just a, a really, really good group of people. Uh, I asked this of a lot of our guests, but what was it that made you get into the automotive business in the first place? Well, I think the opportunity to have unlimited income, because the, you know, the automotive space will pay you as much as hard as you want to work. Yeah. You know, so uh, I felt like I had a pretty good work ethic to begin with, and um, you know, just quick. So, uh, my, I had family in the car business. They were all making very good money. So it was a you know, history of me being in other industries and coming over the car business about 20 years ago has been very good for me. So yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Good for you. How, how has the transition from variable to fixed gone? Like, is there any advice you'd have for somebody that's maybe going, <laughs> going through that transition right now? Yeah, I would say if you don't know a lot about fixed, which I did not, and I was uh, up front with the leaps, and they, they said uh, that they weren't hiring me because of my fixed knowledge. They were hiring me because of my leadership ability, which was great. Yeah. And I think just being honest with the service manager, saying, look, I don't know what you know. I'll be here. I'll block and tackle. I'll support you. Uh, we have matrices that we want to stay within. We have goals that we want to achieve, and we'll do that as a team. Um, but just look at me as a, as a resource at this point. And then you know, I've been here for five years and I feel like I know enough now that I could see, you know, troubled waters coming and, and we can head those off. So it's, it's been a good team effort with my, my managers and myself. That's great. So our, our focus of the conversation today is really going to be centered around uh, KPIs, the key performance indicators, and really how you're measuring success of your service center. Now, uh, sure. for those of you that might not really understand maybe the layout of a, a true dealership. You've got your fixed ops director, which is where Jamie's at, um, who manages a service manager who really is kind of managing the day-to-day -day operations in a shop. So when when we look at KPIs and their importance to uh, a shop, how do you how do you really look at those? I mean, are you are they important to you? Is it something where you're looking at them daily, weekly, monthly? Um, like, give me an idea of, of how, you know, the importance of KPIs in general for you. Well, they're very important. I think the right KPIs, I should say, are important. I think a lot of service managers, <clears throat> they get really tied up with hours per RO and effective labor rate. And all that's great. And they're important, but they can both be manipulated. Um, so, you know, I kind of look at a couple of things. You know, one of the most important is customer pay RO growth over prior month you know, prior year, same month. 
to me, that's critical. If you're not growing your customer pay ROs, you're dying because you deserve no credit for warranty and sales is the one that deserves their credit for the internal. So if you're not driving that customer ROI and creating satisfaction, that's a problem, which then also would tie into your retention because that's what the manufacturers want to see. Are you retaining your, your business model up to the standards that they require? When you look to buy more stores, the first thing to look at is, are you retaining the customers required to earn another point? You know, and we are a grown company. We have 21 stores now. We, we still plan on growing. So retention is huge for us. Uh, and, you know, CSI is a big deal. We, we, we bonus a lot on that. So there's going to be one when you take care of the customer. But I think as a company, our, our core belief is that our employees are as important as the consumer. Because if you don't have happy employees, you don't have happy customers. Uh, we have very, very low turnover, which I think speaks to uh, the value that we place on our technicians and service advisors and service managers. We have very low. Uh, so it is critically important. Uh, biweekly, I have a very simple report that they fill out that will show me uh, how many customer pay ROs come in up to date, what the prior year, say, month was. Are we tracking better or worse? I do track the hours per row and I do track the effective labor rate. But, uh, you know, we go through an extensive process for business planning. So once our business plan is done, and we've all agreed that this is, you know, how far we believe we can push this. Uh, we hold them to that standard. And there are a, a litany of things within that business plan that need to be looked at, uh, inclusive of the things that I've already mentioned. So one of the things that I, I did, and I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on this, were when I was managing service departments, I would um, look at KPIs or I'd look at the numbers. And like when you say month over, uh, so month as compared to the prior year's month, um, to me, that was always kind of, I'd look at that KPI and if it didn't match up, it meant that I needed to dig further into one specific thing. Is that kind of, is that a similar approach to you? To like what you take is like, okay, if our, if our customer work isn't what it was a year ago, there's something more there that I need to look into. Yeah, for certain. I mean, they're just indicators, right? So if something looks askew, you know, you may look at the total dollar gross and say, well, why, why the customer count could be up and your dollars are down, but your effective labor rates good. Well, then maybe you have a dispatching issue, or maybe you're you you know your your thirty five dollar an hour techs are doing work that a you know a loop tech should be able to do. So A is your talent mix correct in the shop, and then are you dispatching it correctly? Uh, the other thing that we found through some some uh, schooling is you know if we took the top thirty customer pay ROs, I don't care if it's a uh, cabin air filter, whatever the top thirty are. Are you paying the techs correctly? Sometimes you're overpaying them by one or two tenths, and sometimes you're underpaying them. And sometimes you, you're, you're off $5 on the charge to the consumer. But when we started doing the adjustment, both on what we pay and what we charge, we noticed our effective labor rate, it increased by $10. And it, they were just small tweaks all throughout it. I think so many people look at, you know, the big ticket items. Well, that's 5% of what you do, you know, 70% yeah. of your shop is probably maintenance if I had to guess. So, yeah. you know, we looked at that and we, we, uh, we try to do a really good walk around. Uh, we're just now, which is, <clears throat> we're probably late to the game, but we're getting into videoing. So our technicians now are going to video uh, any required uh, repairs, even if it's just a 15,000 mile uh, oil change or, you know, whatever that looks like, 
we'll still film it and say, hey, your vehicle looks great. This is James, your technician, and I'll see you next time you come in. So we want to get deep into that. We're going to track that because we have a matrix for that as well. Yeah, and I love what you said there about your your mix, right? And and are you having the right employees doing the right jobs? Because one, I think they they take pride in you know their their talent level, right? A lot of technicians yep. take pride in in how skilled they are, and maybe don't love uh, that they've been on you know in the shop for twenty years and they're out doing alignments or something like that. Right. You know, like I, you know, I think. It, there's some level of uh, happiness to the tech for, for doing that. But then at the same time, it's equivalent to their paycheck too. Right. And I think Correct. you, you want to make sure you're getting that value out of each employee right. um, to the, to the max ability of your service department. So I, yep. I think that's uh that's great. So any other uh, KPIs that, I mean, it sounds like you've got a couple of KPIs that are very, very core to what you do Anything else that you look at uh, from from the service level, and or maybe a better way to ask this is: Do you think there's a KPI that some service departments look at that maybe isn't necessarily one that that would be um, effective for you? Well, I think again, I think if you singularly look at just effective labor rate and hours per hour, you're missing the boat because that ultimately boils down to the average dollars per customer pay RO. So if you just looked at that, you can't cheat that. So you set a standard on, you know, for example, Honda tracks that if you pull out tires, gas, oil, grease, and, and, and uh, tax, they look for you to have about $240 per customer pay RO. Um, one of the things I tend to look at is I look at our door rate, which everybody says that doesn't mean anything. Well, it does mean something. Because if you have a door rate set at $135, but your effective labor rate's 110, you need to be within that 80, 85% of what your door rate is. If that's off, then, then clearly your discounting is way too much. So I tend to look at our effective labor rate and then what the true effective labor rate is. If it's within 3 or $4, I'm okay. But I have some stores every now and then, it'll be a $12 difference. Well, then we have to have a conversation. You look at what the discounting looks like. Is it all couponing because you had to drive traffic? Okay, that happens. But that's one month out of 12. So... Um, I am a big believer that you, you know, you manage from your seat and you lead on your feet. So I don't spend a lot of time in my office, which is probably counterintuitive to most fixed ops directors. Yeah. Uh, they sit in their office, they make reports so much that you you could drown in them. I'd much rather be out in my shop, uh, talking to my service managers, talking to the service advisor. Because listen, service advisors are the ones that bring the money in. Right? Yeah. If they can't close effectively, then the techs lose faith in what they're doing inspections on. And they feel like, well, they can't sell it anyway, so I'll just push everything over as, you know, we all need struts and we all need oil. Well, that's not going to pay us very much either. So uh, communication is just a huge, you know, part of what we do in person. So that's kind of the next piece of what I want to talk about today, right? And and we talk about KPIs a lot. Uh, one thing that I hear from techs we, in, in talking with them is that they desire to hear more of what's going on up front, right? Because I yep. think at times they're like, okay, my my number is my build hours and I, that's all I need to focus on. But yep. I think they desire more. Do you see opportunities for um, whether it's improvement or, and this isn't just with, with you at SMART, but in general for the industry, uh, maybe some opportunity for us to better communicate with techs uh, on, you know, what it is that we find 
really important, right? And like, I think a lot of times we break it down to, hey, this is your build hours. These are your numbers. But why is that build hour so important in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, You know, several years ago when I was a vendor, I I was in one of the Hendrick stores in North Carolina. And uh, the general manager there was outstanding. I learned a lot watching this guy. And one thing he did on a monthly basis, and he was smart because he had the vendors funded, which is how I got in, into it because I funded one of these, these luncheons, right? So he had his entire staff from finance to BDC to tech, everybody. If he had 200 employees, they were all there. And it was a really nice lunch. And he had big boards that shared with everybody. You know, our goal is to net a, a million five this month. Here's your piece of what, you know, what that looks like. And here's how important you are to the big scheme of things. And you're right. Technicians and service advisors need to know that. And, and I press upon my service managers that, yeah, listen, if, you're, if your business plan is 500000 this month and I'm a loop tech or I'm a certified master tech, what are you asking me to contribute and why? What does that look like for me? I don't want to sit in this corner and just keep turning wrenches. I want to know what part of the play am I playing? And I think it's equally as important for the service advisors because we do compartmentalize this industry, in my opinion, far too much. Yeah. You know, the front of the house does not understand in the least what the back of the house is doing. And the back of the house will tell you, well, they don't work as hard as we do. Well, they have no idea how hard it is to sell a vehicle. And fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, I've been on both sides of it. So I, I can sort of bridge that gap because I will get service managers to get really upset about the hours they work. And then sales comes back and says, hey, our, uh, the bathroom's backed up. Well, you know, they, well, you know so that <laughs> becomes a struggle, but, you know, they don't understand what each department does. So you make a great point. Everybody needs to be enlightened on, on what the total goal is and what their parts are in it. So how how is it um... – I feel like each manager has their own personality, right? And how they manage and how they communicate. How do you go about coaching your service managers to be able to communicate this stuff? Like, so uh, you're talking with them. I'm sure you're going through maybe a PL with them or like being able to show them kind of some of the higher level numbers. But sure. this is maybe something that I struggled with a little bit was getting a service manager to truly grasp, okay, this is the information that I'm sharing with you. I need you to talk to your staff and really be able to communicate that to them. And just for me, having that trust factor of like, okay, this is this same message is going to get communicated across the yeah. board. No, that's a really good point. I, I will tell you that I'm very fortunate because in my opinion, my service managers are the best in the country. I don't, I put them up against anybody. And I think that, you know, we have a manager's meeting once a month. I keep it to about an hour. It's open form. I'm a huge believer in sharing all data. Unless corporate tells me this is just them and I, then I, I won't do it. But uh, in generalities, I can, I can tell that they've transferred that data properly by the numbers. If I said that, hey, listen, I can tell you're not doing a walk around the car with the customer in the drive. You need to hold them more accountable because I'm going to hold you more accountable. And the other thing I think that helps me in that is I'm in their shops every day. When I leave this meeting, I'm literally going to drive to every shop and probably spend 40 minutes in the shops. So uh, it's very rare that a service manager can tell me something that I don't know is accurate or, or is inaccurate. So and yeah. we've got such a great relationship that, you know, we all want to work hard for each other. So that's not been an issue for me so far. 
How do you do, are you doing like a, how often do you meet with your service managers? In a formal meeting, it's once a month, but we talk uh, every day in person. I guess I'll go out today and I'll, I'll spend probably 40 minutes in each shop. It might be 10 minutes with the service manager. It might be 20 with the service advisors. And it might be another 15 or 20 with the technicians. Um, Cause you know, you just, I think the other thing that's important is no matter where you are on the rung, whether you're a lot tech or a detailer, you should feel important because you are important, right? A yes. detailer is just as important because I can't sell dirty cars and it's going to create bad CSI. So, you know, I think they enjoy it. If, if I come around, I'm like, Hey, how'd your kid's baseball game go? Your daughter's prom was it, you know, did she get picked up in timing? All those things are relevant because those guys, they remember that there are so many GMs or fixed op directors that don't, they don't think it's necessary. They want to manage from 30,000 foot. Well, 30,000 foot doesn't get the job done. So yeah. you got to get down there, get with them. So, yeah. Well, and I think it gives you such a great opportunity, especially if you're seeing them consistently to where if they're having a bad day, and this isn't just for a fixed ops director, this is for a service manager, even yes. your techs that are listening out there. Like if somebody's having a bad day, all of us have bad days, right? Like there's not, you're, you're like, you're going to get yelled at by a customer. You're gonna, like, something's going to happen. For sure. And if you can be somebody that is a morale lifter, a morale booster, yep. uh, and when you're going around and seeing your managers, I'm sure there's days where maybe they're, they're a little down on their luck or they're not yep. feeling the, the greatest. And, and being able to have your boots on the ground and motivate that person. And, yep. you know, even just to hear them vent, I think at times is, yep. is a hugely beneficial piece. Yeah, it is. You're right. I mean, they, they want to be able to get that off. You know, I always tell them it's okay to complain up. You just can't complain down. And they know oh, we like that. That, that no matter what they say to me, it's sort of a you and I discussion. You're allowed to tell me you think I'm an idiot. Hey, dude, you're, this is wrong. Jamie. You're expecting to do this. I can't do that. I'll go, okay, well, share with me why you can. And they may have a better reason that I didn't see. And many times I say, okay, you know what? I didn't see that. Let's let's reroute this and let's go this way. Sometimes I'll have to say, look, you're looking at it wrong. That's not what's accurate. What has to happen is this, and that's what I expect. And they respond well to that. And listen, they've helped me every bit as much as I've helped them for sure. I uh I love that. You can complain up, but you can't complain yep. down. I've never heard that before. And that is, yep. that is powerful. That's good stuff. Yeah. One, one of the things the leaps who own the company have taught me, and, and I came from a more aggressive market. Uh, they would rather be a carrot company than a stick company. Love it. In my, my entire automotive career, I've worked in industries where they were a stick company. Yes. Either get it done or get out and I'll find somebody tomorrow to replace you. Well, that's not how this company runs, and it's not how the state of Iowa runs, certainly. So, and it's paid off big benefits, <laughs> and I really like that process better. I do too, and I think when when you look at you know employee happiness, they far more want. To, I mean, put yourself in anybody's shoes if if you're just getting beat over the head, and this kind of I mean, it ties really nicely into KPIs because there's a lot of managers that will use them as the stick, right? right. Is that, you know, this, is, uh, this isn't this is where it should be. I don't care right. what you're doing, get it right. This right. is what we're watching. Right, right. But if you're not sitting down with them and, you know, hey, the, the reason this is important is because X, sure. uh, you know, like that's that, like, and especially it, to me, what I've seen with, with younger generations too, is having to know that why, why yes. KPIs are important is vital, right? 
Yeah, I think they need that other view. Just a quick example. A lot of the total stores will say, I can't get my effective labor rate up because I've got 40% of total care coming through, which is, as you know, free. Okay, fine. But when we dig deeper and we say, well, your average mileage of all cars coming in is 63,000 miles. So, you know, total care or not, you're missing opportunities all over the place. And you need to recognize that. And, and, and the service manager, the service director, they need to be able to see that because some people hear that. They go, oh, well, you know, that's a good point. Then I guess it's okay if you're, you know, you know, $98 an hour. It's not okay. Uh, you don't have to rip people's lips off, but you've got to be able to go out and present what's fair to the consumer and what's truly needed. And you need to yes. make sure that they're aware of that. And customers well, will make their decision. And from the, from a and this is what I love about KPIs is as you're as you're digging into that, then it allows for more coaching too to say, hey, you know, if you're getting your hands on the car, we're not we must not be doing great inspections on these cars if your Correct. effective labor rates here, yep. right? Like there's yep. like that's the cool part about numbers to me when you look at it, and that's you know for you looking at multiple stores you start to see trends and you start to see things in the numbers like as you're looking through all of your you know whether it's a PL or whatever it is as you're going through it stuff starts to stick out or like is not the same as the rest and you wonder sure. why and that's yeah, you know yeah. to me that's a great opportunity to just dive in and figure out that number is telling you something that sure. needs to be dug into even further yeah, one of the great things that we do as a company, because we have 21 stores, we do a peer group. So we'll match all the Honda stores up, all the Toyota stores up, all the Kia stores up. So, you know, if you're a Toyota store in Iowa, as an example, and you think, hey, this is as good as I get, but I've got a Toyota store in, you know, Mishawaka or somewhere, and they're smoking you, well, then you got to take a look at yourself. So I think that competition we feel service advisors react to, so the service managers. They just have to see what the other side looks like. So again, just in sharing all the data that I can give them so they have a good comparison, I think is a huge help. How do you handle the the conversation when it comes to um, maybe you've got a tech that's not putting enough billable hours out mm-hmm. and they they kind of come back at you and say, well, we didn't have cars coming in the door. Uh, how, how do you, I mean, say, say if you have that conversation, is it immediately back to numbers to look and see, okay, what was our car count and all of this stuff? Or is it just having a, 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 walk me through that conversation? Because I think a lot of times what happens is it ends up them pointing at the service advisor for not pulling work in and, you know, then it kind of becomes like this infighting piece. How do you, how do you handle conversations like that? Well, one of the one of the many things that we do is we we have what we call a shift meeting around seven seven fifteen in the morning, and it's it's a stand up six minute meeting. We'll review some numbers, and then once a month we have the service advisors and the tech together because I kind of want to treat it as a family at the dinner table. Here's where we're going to share all of our dirty laundry. So if you text are upset because we're not selling, I need to hear that. And then the service advisor goes, "Well, I'm not selling because every car that comes in needs a set of struts." I mean, so they get to hear back and forth. But then ultimately, if a tech specifically came to me, uh, I'll listen before I say anything. And I'll say, you know what, it sounds like you have an issue. Let's get the service manager in because I feel like they run the shop. I don't. And I will say, hey, listen, you know, this technician believes that he's not getting a fair shot at the hours. And here's what it looks like. You know, what are we doing about this? And he may say, well, look, I'd love to do it. But he took off Monday and Thursday and he takes a smoke break every seven minutes. 
Well, then, you know, you look at the tag, well, buddy, I mean, you got to be here to get to work, right? Or he called off Saturday. So there's, as you know, there's always three sides to a story, right? Yeah. So um, somewhere in the middle, there's probably the truth. We usually get through that. We usually get through that pretty well. I, I, it's funny because I, I used to do the same exact thing. I just, I, I was very much a believer in like, okay, if you're like, I, I'm not a gossip guy. I don't like gossip. And if I hear somebody gossiping, I, I try to bring all parties in yes. to just talk about it and air it out because to me, it's just so unhealthy. If, if somebody's just back, you know, in the shop and they're not happy, like, let's talk about it. Let's get this out on the table and figure out right. you know, what can we do to, to, uh, to figure it out. I, I don't know if that's the exact by the textbook way of doing it, but I, uh, that, that was my default all the time is like, yeah. rather than, you know, just have you be pissed back there, like, let's get out and talk about it and, right. and try to get it out on the table. I mean, texts were written by college professors, you know, that's not who runs our shop. We run our shops. So yes. um, I think it's healthy. I mean, I think, you know, no, nowhere should someone be able to complain and the other side not hear what that's about, you know, because again, it's, it's never just, this is the, this is exactly what happened only by itself. So um, fortunately it's not a big issue for us. We don't have a lot of drama. We have almost no turnover. I think nice. we suffer from what every shop in the country suffers for, which is why you have a business now, right? Is yeah. we're short of technicians. And, you know, the sad part is the intellectual property that's aging out with the outgoing generation is not, we don't have the replacement for that. You know, if you go back 20, 30 years, the guys are retiring, there were guys coming up. There's nobody coming up anymore. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a battle. It's brutal. It's brutal right now. And that's, you know, I think, one of the toughest parts or one of the the toughest pieces that we've got now as shops on the shop end is how do you take these numbers and hold somebody accountable when say like a technician has a lot of leverage in that relationship, right? Where they, you know, they, they are really, really hard to find, but they still have expectations and and standards that they have to live up to. So how do you, how do you communicate that? And, and you're not trying to, to make them upset or you're not trying to make them mad. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you still, you're still running a business, right? You still have to make money. So how, how do you walk that fine line? Well, it's a, that is a really great question. And I would have to give uh, the credit to the, to the leaps again. I mean, yeah, they do such a great job from an organizational standpoint of making sure that we systematically take care of the technicians and we pay them bonus structures and we have celebrations for their achievements. I mean, to an extent that I've never seen other dealership do what we do, which is, again, a tip of the hat to, to, to the leaps. But I would say, you know, as a company, if you're taking care of your employees and, again, putting consumers and employees at the center of everything we do generally works well. So you could then have that conversation. Hey, listen, I get you're upset. I understand that you feel this, you feel that. But when you take a consideration all the things that we're doing and all the things you can do for us. You've been here 10 years, eight years, 15 years, whatever that looks like. This is a blip on the radar. We can certainly get past it. But if you haven't built that equity, that emotional equity up with your, your uh, technicians, you probably deserve to lose them. Because if you only have loyalty to money, you'll never hold on to anybody. They have to be loyal to you, not just the money. I I couldn't agree more. And this is where I love hearing from great leaders and in even great ownership groups in this regard to 
you know, in order for them to be loyal to somebody, a technician to be loyal to somebody, it kind of has to be the same person a lot of times, right? And yes. I've seen struggles in in dealerships where, um, you know, they have a lot of turnover at the management position uh, in different leadership positions, right? And so yep. a tech then starts to question, you know, what's going on up there? And right. there's a lot of times where I was, you know, I've been in that kind of fixed ops director role where I felt like I was shielding my staff from ownership right. a little bit, right? Yeah, Where yeah, it's yeah. like, oh my goodness, I heard this message here. I need to filter this down so right. that <laughs> this doesn't, this yeah. doesn't, uh, this message doesn't leave this room, right? right? And so I, you know, I think with when when you have a great leadership group that understands the importance of of techs, and from a fixed ops director standpoint you, you get that sense, right? Like when you're in that, in those meetings, like, does this group really care about techs or are they just saying it, you know, it like for a PR campaign? Yeah, no, they care. I think one of the other things too, they, they spend a lot of money in our environments and we're building new stores and these stores we have that have aged, they have, you know, they've invested millions. So we really do have state of the art, best facilities. And we do that for a multitude of reasons, but one of them is so that you can be proud of where you work. I mean, they, they take a lot of time to say, Let's make sure the the the, uh, the tech locker rooms have big screen TVs in them. You know, let's make sure the bathrooms are civilized. You know, not just looks like an army barracks. So they take great pride in, in their investments and what they do and how we treat our people, as I do. And they see that the the, the you know the technicians, the certified, they realize that happened. They see it coming through. So that that helps make my job a little easier. Because why would you ever leave here? You're making good money. You're getting treated right. And I think when it comes down to that, it doesn't matter if you're a tech, it doesn't matter if you're a manager, it doesn't matter, you know, where Correct. where you fall at in the chain, you're going to stay. Like if, yeah. if, you're, if you're being treated right. And, and that's one thing that we talk a lot about when we, you know, we talk about recruiting technicians is the first step in a good recruiting program is to make sure you're keeping the people you already have and, and yeah. having a good retention program. Because if you're not treating those people right, it's going to be really, really damn hard to bring in more people and expect Correct. them to be Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting harder every day. And we make sure that they're properly equipped. You know, if you need a, an on-car lathe or an off-car lathe and you show me the need for it, we buy it. Um, so there, there's nothing we won't spend that produces for the technicians and for the consumer. So I think that goes a long way as well. See, and I think as we tie this back to KPIs too, that's where it's such a, we talk about KPIs in a number sense, but it really is behaviors and how you're treating people that will drive those KPIs to be yes. better. Right. And, right. and so much of it comes in that communication side. And I love the analogy that you used of the carrot or the stick and that you want to be a carrot type of company mm-hmm. because that's, you know, if I, to me, it's almost as much about how you communicate the numbers as much as like how, you know, you're reading the numbers. So if, if you're getting those numbers back and you're sitting down, you're talking with techs, and I love the idea of having that monthly meeting to to talk about, um, you know, where you're at as a company. Because I think when you do that, you evoke pride out of your staff. You you know yeah. you have that you know like they want to take care of the facility more because they're they're you know yeah it's you've given them a nice environment to work in. Yeah, you know, for example, today I'm going to go buy probably four hundred dollars worth of uh, steaks, porterhouse steaks. We got a big grumble. I'm going to be cooking for the Hyundai and the Kia guys. Now, you know, 
it doesn't matter to me to do it, but to them, you know, they're seeing somebody from corporate serving them because they've served us. And it, it's just, I want to do it. I love doing it. And they're great guys. And, and it gives me a chance every time they come to get a steak, we have a, you know, two second conversation. And it's, you know, those are the things where I think you're investing emotionally uh, into the people and they see that. So, you know, all those things help. And it gives you the ability that if they need that stern talking to, they know it's coming from the right place. You're not being a, a you know, a jerk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has so much to do with business in general is, is your heart yeah. in the right place. And, yeah. and people sense that they know that uh, when, yeah. when you're talking to them, I, I want to kind of shift a little bit to looking at it from a technician's point of view of if you had to give advice to a tech, and this is kind of a weird question, but if you had to give advice to a technician on understanding what a fixed ops director looks at, right? So, you know, what, what is it that I'm truly being judged on? And is it, is it just ours? Is it, you know, like uh, when, no. when you're sitting back and evaluating a tech, how, how are you evaluating them? Well, I think principally uh, we evaluate, or at least I do, I evaluate on what their contribution or detraction is to the culture of the shop. We've all had certified master techs that can flag 90 hours, but they're so toxic to the environment that I would rather have them gone and bring in two other people. So I think as a technician, you know, break it completely down. Do you play well with others, right? Are you a team player? We assume you're going to flag correct amount of hours based on your skill level. We assume that the traffic will be there, the cars will be there, you'll have that ability. But beyond that, you know, are you causing drama? Is Are you selfish? I want you to be selfish for your paycheck. I want you to say, hey, I want to flag as many hours as I can. But I also want you to go over and help Junior, who doesn't really understand how to adjust that flywheel or whatever, you know, whatever that is. So I think, you know, we've got some mind-blowing techs. I mean, these guys are so smart, it, it it bends my mind, but they're also phenomenal team players. I mean, I could ask any one of them, hey, man, I need some help. Could you go over to this shop and help so-and-so do X? Yeah, man, no problem. They drop the wrench and go get it. So I think as long as we're, you know, we're in a team, because we do consider everything a team. There is no, you know, there's no one person. And we've had some that are that way. And, and I'll make quick work of them. They got to go work somewhere else. They can't, they can't be in our team because I consider it a privilege to work here, uh, not necessarily right. So. Well, it, and it's funny because when I think back to my time in that seat, there were far more conversations about behaviors than there were the actual numbers. Because the numbers, everybody can see. Like, I mean, it's clear as day who's producing what. And, you know, you you can see the way things are laid out. But they were far more at, at an upper level, uh, upper management level uh, type of conversation around behaviors. And uh, right. whether that's, you know somebody struggling to get to work on time or, you know, somebody is struggling with something at home, you know, like something along those lines where you would need a conversation. So for me, I would look at, you know, if somebody's consistently produced say X amount of hours, and then there was a dip in both hours and behavior, you know, I think there's a, it's a, it's a tendency, a natural tendency. And I've had talks with, with shop management about this before where there's a tendency to say, Oh, that person fell off, get rid of them. They're gone. You know, they, they need to be gone. 
I, to me, that's the wrong approach. I, yes. I feel like that's what should generate a conversation to like understand, okay, is there sure. something going on at home, right? Yep. Is there something else happening here? Because this isn't something that was previously an issue and now it's an issue. So to me, it extends beyond the numbers. Is there something more there, right? Well, no, that's a very good point. We, um, I mean, as you know, nobody gets dumb overnight. No. You need to just forget how to flag hours. So there's something somewhere. And I think generally speaking, you know, as long as you're connected, which I feel like I am, I could go to any tech and say, hey, man, you know, you're, you're usually flagging 60. Last month, you did like 30. What's, is there anything that we can do to help out? If that's the first question, they will always say, no, nah, it's nothing you guys do, man, but my, my kid's doing this. Or I, and they, there's an issue. Listen, we all have lives. And, and the leaps are a very big believer that my job, is less about running shops and more about improving employees' lives. That's what they always ask. That. When, when I, and I, it was hard for me to learn that, right? Because that's not how most dealers think. But when I would go to corporate office, uh, Mr. Leap, the, you know, the, the original one, would say, how's things going, Jamie? And I would start spitting off numbers to him. He goes, no, no. Are you improving people's lives or you're not? Because he's he knows wow. if you're improving their lives, the money's going to follow. So it was a it was a really good lesson to learn and, and and the leaps, they believe that. I mean, it's just it's in their heart and soul. Improve people's lives, everything gets better. And that's why you guys are a quality organization. Yeah. I, I mean, at at its core, yeah. I think even the the focus of our talk today was very much on numbers. But as you can tell uh, in my discussion here with Jamie, is that so much of it is relational, right? And to be able to have those tough conversations because you've got a relationship with that individual and it goes beyond you just like, hey, pull, come into my office. Uh, and and I don't know, to me, you put the fear of God into somebody when you haven't talked to them in forever and then all of a sudden right. you bring them in uh, <laughs> and, and like all of a sudden are curious about their lives. Right. Um, you know, so I think what you do from a standpoint of the, the management by walking around, talking to people, getting to know them, it makes those conversations exponentially easier. Like it just, and you can measure numbers all you want, but unless you're communicating them and communicating them in a way that's motivating rather than just, you know, trying to, you know, I've, I've worked for people, I'm guessing a lot of people have where somebody's just screaming all the time and that's not, you know, it's, it's a tough spot yeah. to be in. And right now with how hard it is to get technicians or find really good quality technicians, I just don't think you're going to keep them if that's the way that you're, you're managing uh, your staff. Yeah. yeah. It's too old school. That won't work anymore. I mean, every now and then, you know, I, I've had to say it'll always be equal, but may not always say, it'll always be fair. But it may not seem equal, but it'll always be fair. And, and again, you're right. I mean, it's, it, to me, especially in today's environment, it is about the relationship far more than anything else. We assume they're good at what they do. Uh, so there are certain assumptions you can make. I assume they'll be to work on time. I assume they won't be drunk. So you just, you make those assumptions and then move on beyond that. And I think it's, it creates great friendships, by the way. You know, there are great yes. people that I work with and, it, and that makes it enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I think even, even that piece, um, when you say that friendships, I think there's some, I I've seen it personally where there's some businesses that don't like 
that their employees engage in after hours activities. I'm not that way. I love when our team does stuff together sure. and, and that even the stuff that's not at our prompting, if they go out on a hunting trip together or go, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like I, I, to me, that's the most valuable thing about business is seeing those relationships kind of blossom and, and even, you know, partnerships that we've got. Some of my best friends are from, from business partners or from, you know, things that we've done business sure. with. So it's, life's too short not to, uh, not to enjoy those types of relationships. And, um, that's, I think the same thing goes for technicians. The same thing goes for service writers, service managers, uh, even fixed ops directors. I think that's the, that's the toughest part that I always had was that, you know, yes, uh, you know, when you're at that level, at a leadership level, sometimes they try to act differently around you and you're, you're like, no, just, you know, I'm just another person. Like let's, let's talk, you know? Uh, and it just, I don't know. This is, this is good stuff, Jamie. I, I, uh, I think it's always good to get, give a technician, the fixed ops director's mindset of how you think about things and how you process things because that, and every fixed ops director is going to be a little bit different and how they, how they do it. But to kind of pull the curtain back and say, okay, this is what I do. This is what I look at. And to know it's as much behavior driven as it is, you know, you obviously need to produce because it's a business, but we also want you to grow as a person. That's right. Yeah. That's everything for us for sure. Well, this has been great. I, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to come on with us to, uh, today, Jamie, and um, you know, really talk about KPIs, why they're important and, the importance in how you message them over. Is there any, anything you want to end on as far as how, how, uh, how you do business or how, you know, KPIs are impactful to, to you? No, I think we've pretty much covered. I mean, you know, again, numbers are numbers and we'll get them. Uh, I'll just help you get them. If something's impeding you. Um, we need text though. Everybody watch this that thinks they're not having a good time. <laughs> Come and see me. Cause we need them. We've got Check all the Check out their Wrenchway pages. They did a nice job on them. So, uh, uh, yeah. And one last thing that I'm going to ask you is, um, and I should have asked this probably at the beginning, is the quality of numbers and how important they are, right? So making sure that when you're judging your KPIs, that it's the right numbers that you're judging on. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so when I say that, if you have junk numbers, you're not getting an accurate depiction of what the department is doing. How important is that? Like to make sure that when you're, when you're judging somebody off numbers, that it's the, it's good data that you're getting yeah. out of that. Well, it's supremely important. I mean, if, if we don't have accurate data to go off of, then how can you accurately coach anybody? Right. I mean, if I think your batting average is 348. I'm not really going to have a lot of conversation with you, but in reality, if it's 224, we're going to go back to the batting coach. We're going to be going to the batting cages. We're going to work on it, get you up there again. So it's supremely important that it's accurate data. But I, I feel like everything we have is fairly accurate. It comes out of our DMS system, uh, and yeah. we sort of verify it. And um, we do we do a pretty good job. It's balanced. You know, we don't analyze every single thing, every single day to where you're in meetings all the time. So, you know, we're very focused on you know, employees and customers. If you put the employee and the customer at the center of everything you do, you just can't lose. I think that's one heck of a way to uh, to end the show on. I I couldn't agree more. And 
Thank you so much for being on the show here today, Jamie. We, we, we really, really appreciate it. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how they get how do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can just email me. Uh, it's J Powers, P as in Pepper, O-W-E-R-S, at uh, smartautoqc, like quadcities.com. So J Powers at smartautoqc.com. As you can tell, Jamie's a... Uh, Really intelligent person, a great guy, and I appreciate you being on the show today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks very much, Shay. 